Where, should we talk? Where? Should we talk about Invincible? Yeah, we should. <laughs> no, we're just gonna go over <laughs> movies and TV shows. Netflix. Why did Let's you think it. you were here? Welcome to the Invincible Podcast, probably the best superhero podcast in the universe. This is episode 10. I'm your host, Ryan, and joining me today is Bill Hake. Hello. And TJ Dween. Why did you introduce him first? Hello. I don't know, because he's to my right. Okay. Today, uh, we actually talked about in the past about how maybe we were going to be doing a tie-in episode um, where we'd be going over something like Astonishing Wolfman or Brett or something. Um, not quite yet, but that's still in the plans. Um, we had just wanted to go over some other stuff. We actually got an awesome interview coming up at the um, for the second half of this podcast with uh, Mike Barrett, who is a huge Invincible fan and actually a creator of his own comic book. And we got to talk to him about you know a little bit more about the creative process um, for comic books and his thoughts on Invincible. Uh, so. Before we get to that, a couple news items. Um, we recently hit uh, over a thousand plays, um, total plays, uh, on this podcast, which is kind of awesome. Just because we never really thought much would come of this, and it's just kind of humbling to see that. And it was a, a little cool mm-hmm. milestone for us. Yeah. I just like to listen to myself talk, so I thought that it was just going to be me listening to it. So yeah, you know, it's, it's, it is humbling, and, and we get a lot of emails. And, and Mike Barrett was one of the people who responded to us, and. And um, enjoy immediately on all yeah. platforms. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and it's just nice to know that there are that many Invincible fans out there. You yeah. Know? Um, and speaking of Invincible fans, um, TJ, you have some news. Yes. Uh, so, as Ryan always states, we are currently on Twitter. Um, you can find the podcast on uh, iTunes. We we are on. Um, SoundCloud, and I guess we're also on Stitcher, which I didn't even know that what Stitcher was. What is Stitcher? I think it's just another um, podcasting app, essentially. Yeah. Uh, we're also, I'm creating a MySpace page. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Speaking of which, the news that I have is that we are now on Facebook. So if you want to check us out there, we'll be posting every Friday, uh, or excuse me, every other Friday when the new issue, um, or excuse me, when, when the new episode comes out, I'll be posting the link there. Um, to SoundCloud and to uh, iTunes. Um, also, you can always email us, and uh, with this new Facebook platform, you can also message us there too as well. Yeah. So, um, go other... to Facebook and like our page and become fans of the Invincible Podcast, the Invincible Podcast. But you can catch us on <laughs> Facebook.com slash Invincible Podcast. Awesome. Um also, some other news items is uh, uh, upcoming conventions. Ryan Otley will be at New York Comic Con, uh, San Diego Comic Con, and Fan Expo up in Toronto, which is great because we couldn't make it to New York Comic Con this year. Like, we won't be able to make it, I should say. Um, but we will be able to make the Fan Expo. So, hopefully, we'll get to um, meet up with Ryan Otley, um, maybe get a sketch. That'd be awesome. Yes. Sketches, Who? some pages, maybe. Go ahead, Bill. Who would you guys be more excited to go see, Kirkman or Otley? We've already met Otley, me and Ryan. Um, with that being said, I I still kind of say Otley. That's tough. I don't know. Just I, Kirkman I doesn't time. do conventions. Like, is no, he, he does. He, does. He, was he, just does? In, yeah, he was just but in But he's Hawaii. not doing fucking New York. He might be. Hmm. I don't know, actually. 
I haven't seen it announced, at least. No, neither have I. So, I mean, if we if, you, if I find out he does, we'll bring it up next time. Um, and uh, speaking of Otley, he does have his art book now on sale. Um, this one is uh, Violence and Pigtails. Yes. Um, and it's actually a bigger one. It's hardcover. Hardcover. It looks awesome. So pre-orders are up for it now. I think he said it ships in August. How much? Forty doll hairs. I want to say. Something like that. Oh, boy. Yeah. He said, I mean, he, oh. he said. Hey, boy, I'm going to Google those images and save myself 40 bucks. No. Um, I know. Oh, support, support them, yeah. Mm-hmm. The day this goes live is the beginning of the Eisner Awards, but I'm not sure if it's Friday or Saturday. Is it Saturday that they announce it? I believe it's Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're hearing this, chances are either the um, – Eisner Awards, Awards have been announced, or they're going to be announced imminently. Um, so, Invincible, again, if you haven't listened to past episodes, Invincible is nominated for Best Continuing Series for an Eisner Award, which is awesome. That's the big one. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, so, by the time uh, we come back for the, the following episode, for episode 11, we'll have the news on whether or not it won. Here's hoping it does, though, because that'd be great. Um so now uh, we're going to go over some emails. We actually got a few emails to, uh, to go over today. TJ, you want to start with the one you have? Sure. This email is from Jason, who says, Hey, Invincible Podcast crew. I just wanted to throw my two cents in about what is going on with Oliver. I personally think that the only reason why he is working with Thrag is for the sake of Thrag's new Vultramite slash Mantis children, as Oliver may feel some sort of connection to them, as they're the only people in the entire universe just like him. Based on the brief interactions between Thrag, Anan, and Ursul, I think that Thrag may kill those among his offspring that he deems unworthy. A callback to Nolan saying, I can always create more offspring earlier on in the series. And those actions may have pushed Oliver to help Thrag in order to protect the Vultramite slash Mantis hybrids. Just my theory. Keep up the great work on the podcast. I look forward to hearing the episodes whenever they come out. Best, Jason. Um, There's a PS down there. There is a PS. <laughs> if there is a, it is still summer, mind you. Go on. He he says if there is a way to donate to the podcast, I would gladly donate a few dollars towards an air an air conditioning fund. <laughs> it sounds like you guys need it, which, it is yes, so hot. that would be... We, uh, that's awesome. Thank you, Jason. That's hilarious. I, we laughed out loud when we read that. Um, we, uh, we have an air conditioner. We just don't run it um, because you'd hear it in the background. Um, for the sake of the podcast. For the sake of the podcast, we sweat, we sweat it out. We balls off. <laughs> we do it for you. Um, but thank you. That's awesome. Uh, but what he's saying, though, is, and I think I brought this up in the past, like, I love the idea of Thrag weeding out his children to be the strongest. Um, and that's why I, that's why I think Anin and Ursa are. I think they might be the strongest, oldest, or whatever, maybe the firstborn or something to, um, to you know, to rise up. And that, that goes back to old Vulturemite ways. They used to kill each other, and it was the strongest survived. Like, that's their way of life. Mm-hmm. So I would not be surprised if that is what's going on, which would make a little bit more sense in the fact that there's not a million of Thrag's kids out there, there's just, you know, maybe a hundred of the absolute strongest. So, yeah, I like that. Well, what Jason's talking about, too, is the motives of Oliver and the fact that he he only ha- he has more connection to the Mantis race mm-hmm. than humans, and that's why he's working with Thrag. Not because of the Vulture might... Well, maybe he's talking about because 
use Voltramite, but because, oh, yeah. mainly because it's because of the Mantis population. Yeah, because these are, and we I think we brought out that before too. Yep. Like these are the only people like Oliver. These are the only other Olivers out there. Um, so yeah, that might, he might have some sympathy for them and for that race. He we know in the past that he's mentioned having, you know, a connection to those people, and you know, that he's attracted to bug-like people, and maybe that has something to do with it. So very cool. Thanks, Jason. Um, next up, Bill, you got one? Yes. So, so I have an email from Zane. Um, hey guys, my name is Zane and I got to say the podcast is great. I started Invincible on a whim after being disenchanted with many of the Marvel slash DC stories, feeling like they were written by the same two people thinking emoji face. Uh, anyways, I love the idea of fan fictions for the missing five years, and I immediately thought of a robot and D.A. Sinclair finding Dinosaurus' lair and reanimating him with the reanimate technology. He'd eventually break the control of D.A. and robot and take control of the other reanimate and leftover invincible reanimate. Cloning shenanigans and possibly the <laughs> destruction of another large city, culminating in the Dinosaurus' control of the E.U., as part of the stalemate decision brokered by Nolan. Uh, the stalemate is now part of the battle of Robot and Dinosaurus that Mark will have to make the decision of whom to support. I don't know if anyone else would want to see the story, but I would love me some Dinosaurus. Thanks for reading it, and keep up the awesome show. Love, peace, and chicken grease, Zane. This is in response to uh, when we asked listeners to just kind of um, come up with their own idea of, of what's happened on Earth while we've been in space for, mm-hmm. you know, 10 episodes or 10 issues or however this is, long. And this is a fucking awesome. This like, is it's, really not, it's not stupid. It's not dumb. <laughs> like, I want, I want to see this. Like, Day Sinclair is still around. What I mean, reanimating Dinosaurus. And then him awesome. fucking controlling, like, the the Invincible reanimate, like, any mm-hmm. leftovers, and the cloning shenanigans is fucking hilarious, because it would be... This is a very thought-out uh, theory, and we really enjoyed reading it. This is very cool. Yeah, I mean, what better to fight this new wave of Voltramites than an army of Invincibles led by Dinosaurus reanimate? Like, that's that's awesome. An even stronger Dinosaurus <laughs> with Invincibles on his side. Yeah, because we never saw, we never saw. I, I mean, very artistically done of Kirkman to just have Dinosaurus ask Invincible to kill him, and you just see Invincible walking out at, uh, all bloody and sitting on the edge of that ledge in issue 100. We oh. never saw what happened. We don't know how badly Invincible killed him, or like what, what his remains are. We never saw his remains. So what, we assume maybe just like Conquest or something? Um, Cecil took his remains. Wait, what was, wasn't there, wasn't the comic book where he marked, he, he made a mark on like a rib cage or a vertebrae to make sure that it was the same corpse? Oh, you're right. To, Maybe to make sure it? that he didn't, that make sure that, um, Cecil didn't fucking do something with his body? That sounds very familiar. Or it's from a movie. No, no, no. He was like, he checked the corpse of Dinosaurus, I think, if my memory Maybe serves me right, and he checks, he's like, oh, he's like, oh, I marked something down on the third, the third vertebrae down to make sure that you're right. that this is the actual corpse the that you're one. showing yeah. me, yeah. and not something that you faked. If we're wrong, write in and let us know because I think that sounds very familiar. Yeah. Um, and continue, continue these. I mean, we still yeah, don't awesome. know. We still don't know for sure. And even if not, I'm sure a lot of the stuff that you guys can come up with would be cooler the, than what actually happened. Yeah. Because that's awesome. Like that's so, a, so Zane. 
excellent job. Like, I read it over and over again, and then, like, <laughs> actually, like, illustrated it in my head. Like, fucking awesome job. Yeah. Thanks, next, Zane. Awesome. Yeah, like us on you. Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and then I have the uh, final one from Niall. Um, he says, or she says, I don't, I don't know. Niall, Niall? I think, is, uh, Niall is the name of one of the One Direction people, so I think it's a boy. All right. Maybe but aren't, isn't most of One Direction uh, females? <laughs> but but Niall is a, an, uh, an avid listener of the Invincible podcast, so he can okay. be whatever he wants okay. to be. Niall says, holy shit, I never thought of Marky being Tara's twin and Anessa stealing him. What the fuck? But I have the same speculation as you guys, that they're in the same timeline as when Immortal was king and Invincible killed him. I do believe that Invincible is however going to become, become ruler or leader of the Voltramites soon enough. In the issues where Angstrom had the alternate Invincibles or the issue with Immortal being king, the Invincibles both mentioned expanding their army. I also had a theory that Anissa had Invincible's illegitimate son so he could usurp the throne day, the throne one day because he has Lord Argyll's blood. But that's a long shot. I love hearing you guys' discussion. Keep it up. I actually think that's awesome. Like the, the part in which you mentioned um, wanting to have Lord Argyll's bloodline. Um, that's brilliant. Uh, I never thought of that because remember she... Um, she was it was it her that kind of opposed um Human. well everybody well not just that but everybody turned on thrag when they found out that nolan was the true right heir and everything <clears throat> so her having uh her having an actual i guess technically blood relative of argo would be a big deal um so that part specifically of your email was awesome i think that's a really good point um and yeah i hope this is the timeline in which immortal was king um, we've all been kind of hoping that was coming and um, that that's in the future somewhere. Um, and then, like, today, earlier today, Niall sent us another email, and all it was in the subject line was, Issue 132 teaser, holy fuck. And then the link to the uh, Reddit page with the uh, image description. Now, I used to not like seeing solicitation. 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 Issue covers before they come out. Yeah, those things. Um <laughs> Because I didn't, I didn't want to be spoiled too much. Like I don't like watching next time on Game of Thrones. I don't like watching. But one thing that typically. we've noticed from Invincible, especially from the yeah, last issue, like, was like the last issue we we talked in the last new issue um, podcast about how uh, the cover was Thrag, and then before that we talked, oh well, Thrag's on the next cover, so he's got to be prominent prominent in this next issue, and he wasn't. He mm-hmm. was in only in one square, so. And I've talked with Liz and Brittany before about how the covers don't necessarily always give spoilers. They don't necessarily they, they might represent in, uh, the concept of the episode or the issue or something, but they never necessarily ruin anything. But either way, if you don't like listening to those, skip ahead twenty seconds because I'm gonna show Bill. Aww. Yeah. So the cover for one thirty two is gorgeous, and we do normally talk about the the upcoming covers at the spoiler end. Spoiler alert! The, if you the, don't want to know. It's, it's not. not every, it really, we don't know if it's this a spoiler. Is, this we is don't very know. It's just subtle. This isn't even doesn't even give anything away. Um, but go online, check it out if you haven't seen it. Um, uh, issue one thirty two, which is going to be Cory Walker's final um, issue in his arc before taking it off to, uh, before Ryan Otley takes over. And again. It's a, it's the end of an arc, which Beautiful means cover. that this mm. is probably going to be a crazy issue. So let's yeah. talk about it a little bit. No, 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 no. no. You don't. Gonna, I don't think we should talk about it. I think we're going to talk about that cover. Um, when we read uh, 131, because mm-hmm. at the end of every new issue, oh, yeah, we talk I, about I, the cover. Yeah, I guess you're right. But in the meantime, oh, just look at his face. Reactions. Why'd, you, why'd yep. you say skip ahead then? Skip ahead 20 seconds. Oh, because I, I wasn't sure if we were going to actually say what was in it, but you're right. We're not going to talk about it. No. Um, 
You should say when I... Well, it's too late now, but... Yeah, that's all right. Um, That about does it for news, um, emails. Um, Remember, you can email us at theinvinciblepodcast at gmail.com. The uh, Twitter handle is InvincibleCast. Um, You can check us out on Facebook page. uh, Facebook.com slash InvinciblePodcast. So find us there. Um, Email us. Let us know what you think. But now... We're going to go over to the second half of our podcast in which we interview Mike Barrett, Invincible fan and uh, uh, comic book creator. He actually, um, we had a great discussion with him earlier today. And so we're going to insert that right here. So take it away, other Ryan. Thanks, Ryan. And it's still me, TJ, and Bill. But joining us now is Mike Barrett. What's up, guys? Thanks for having me. Of course. Thanks for being on the show with us. This is actually our first guest on the podcast, so right. this is kind of exciting for us. Coming only from... Go, only go uphill from here. Right. <laughs> Coming from New York City, right? Absolutely. Yeah. How, long, how long have you been in New York City for? Uh, I've lived in the city nine or ten years. Really? Moved here, moved here after college, yeah. Nice. From um, where? I went to... Went to college in Michigan. I grew up in upstate New York, about six hours north of the city, Corning, New York. If you oh, guys, oh yeah, oh nice. Yeah. Um, so, and then I moved to Michigan um, for college. Then I moved to New York City after college, and I've been here ever since. Sweet. I got a yeah. speeding ticket one time in Corning. Right. Yeah. Well, those bastards. Yeah, you just brought up some really terrible fucking memories, Mike. You could call me. I would have taken care of. It well, had but I known. <laughs> now, always, now I know. Go, do you still know go, people? Do you still know people in Corning or? Yeah, uh, I have uh, family out there. My uh, cousin and his wife are teachers in the area. My aunt still lives there, aunt and uncle. So, yeah, family, friends, yeah, for sure. Cool. Now, if people follow Ryan Otley on Twitter or even Kirkman or other people, they might have seen your name pop up a little bit. Uh, that's kind of how I, you know, came to know you. Um, but actually, first, the first... <laughs> I actually ran into you, in a way, at Boston Comic-Con. We and, both did. Yeah, TJ was with me. It was um, 2014, and this was the first Comic-Con that TJ and I had ever gone to. And we were going there for Ryan Otley. So yep. we, we, it, was my, it was my first time meeting him, with, too. So, really? And, we, and, we, and I think we met in line. And now yeah. that and the, the, list, the listeners don't know, but we're Skype video calling right now, and I'm seeing you guys for the first time. And yeah, of course, I totally recognize you yeah. from... And two it, two and a half years ago, for sure. It's the funniest thing because we got in line early because we're like in our mind we're like okay we have to get we wanted to get a commission from Motley we wanted to look at his um, original art and we're like okay we got to get in line early because you know we have no every, idea everybody's speak, there for Otley apparently speak, in our mind everybody has the same idea we do and right. everybody's running to Ryan Otley so and yeah so, you have to be there first yeah and so we get in line nice and early and one or two people in front of us in line has the Vannon Invincible watch. And we're like, damn it, everybody is here for Otley. And that was you. And then yep. and then you actually were at the table right before us. And I remember you going through Otley's original art and... Um, Just waiting, waiting for you uh, to get done going through his art so that really, I could go through his we're art. We're like looking at it like, oh God, is he going to take <laughs> He's that He's going to pick the best fucking one, that fucking douchebag. Yeah, that was me. No, and that was actually, I think that was my first original art purchase and I've since become addicted to it. But yeah, that really? was... Yeah, uh, I'm the... Same I way. bought a I bought a cover uh, from another artist and and then I bought my first uh, Ryan Otley page, which is since expanded. So yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, man. 
Um, oh, we yeah, got a little, little mini reunion right now. All right. Yeah, both well, TJ and I got a commission that day and a page um, from Motley, and it's it was awesome. That that convention was the best. Did I mean, you did you get a commission that day? I did. Yeah, and the commission was actually featured in the back of the trade oh, paperback. Nice. What I actually got done. It's yeah. funny. A couple a couple trades in a row have featured art that I own, which is just like the coolest thing. I'm like, hey, I have that, or that's a piece of like original art that you know that I ended up buying, and he talked about how he, that he went through the penciling process or inking process or what have you so yeah uh the the first the original that i got it's like a uh, invincible just flying with a bunch of action lines in the background uh, ended up in the back of one I of the trips i remember that so, i yeah. remember that all the yep uh i ended up getting a uh, a joker um with him like looking from the side it's like a a side profile yeah. shot yeah and oh, yeah. uh I love I love the Joker. It's one of my yeah, favorite uh, like Batman Bat- films. Batman so. is my like in all respects to Invincible. I love Invincible, but um, Bill and I both are huge Batman fans. So I wanted to get his take on Joker, and it was so much more than I thought. Uh, it's awesome that yours are kind of in the back of the the paperbacks, yeah. but uh, like Otley does. I love how Otley does that with like Invincible characters, but he can't yep. really do that with other. Like yeah, DC like characters and stuff. Yeah, he can't. He can't share. Um, mm-hmm, right. At least, but, I mean, he, he throws it up on Twitter all the time. But yes, yeah, he, but in his new sketchbook coming out, it looks like he is including. He's including other uh, like DC characters. One. He's got yeah. uh, other. I'm yeah. hoping. Yeah. I would love to see Joker in that. That would oh, be. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Or your Sky, Cyclops. I, yeah, because I Cyclops. got I got Cyclops that day because he's my childhood favorite superhero. I mean, I yeah. know with you sketchbooks, know. I think you can get away with it just as long as you put some sort of. Uh, legal disclaimer in the front or the back um you know and and i think some artists have, have gotten trouble if like their entire sketchbook is all marvel characters or dc characters but if it's a mix if it's just i'm, I'm sure i'm sure you'll see popular big two characters in his sketchbook i'm, I'm only assuming so which i can't wait to get what are some of um what are some of your favorite like original art that you have because you said you've gone on to get more invincible stuff yeah, um, I have the cover to Invincible issue thirty-three. It's oh my uh, gosh, that is my favorite issue. That's my yeah, favorite it's, issue. It's, yeah, yeah, it's the it's the one with like the huge spaceship on the front, right? Oh no, the I cover? thought thirty-three was the one with Angstrom Levy's head like real big on the cover. Thirty. Uh, maybe I'm I'm misquoting two? the. It, I don't know. Uh, no, I'm misquoting my own collection right now. What a rookie! <laughs> but uh. I also have um, my absolute single favorite page in the entire series I own, which I'm just honored every day to look at it, is it's um, Invincible versus Conquest, like flying towards each other. Oh, he, you own that. Oh. Yeah. yeah, so. yeah. That's awesome. That's the money shot. That's like the, the money if you want like, one, that's the fucking shot right there. Yep. Now, it's the, yep, it's the back of, uh, I think it's the last page in issue 61. Yeah, mm. so. Uh, oh, it's the it's him flying up at him and him flying down at him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh. I actually have uh, the page that I got at, in Boston was uh, like thirty three is was my favorite issue. I actually had to track it down so that Ryan could uh, sign it there. But I ended oh, up yeah, getting a course. page straight from that issue um, of just Angstrom. It was the one where Angstrom and uh, like showed up at his house and. 
um, was like terrorizing his mother and sending Invincible through all these different dimensions. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, that's my favorite single issue, and I got a page of Angstrom like talking to uh, the, his mom. So yeah, it's very cool. The page I got was I did I did misspeak. It's, it's issue Conquest. issue thirty issue thirty nine. Which in the back of the that's the cover I own. In the back of the trades, he talks about how he. Ryan talked about how he spent maybe. Was two it the one with the days. ship with all the? It's a yeah, huge lights ship and, and there's yeah. a million windows yeah. and yeah. tons of detail. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's the one I have. So yeah, I own I own a cover that Ryan did and a handful of a handful of pages, but the it's probably that that single splash and then the the cover are which is uh, which is fantastic. Yeah, so awesome. Um, speaking of uh, like collecting invincible stuff, and I mentioned you had the the watch and everything. Um, we got an email I'm going to read right now and it, it kind of ties into it. So <clears throat> this is from Cosmo. Um, he says, greetings, Ryan and TJ. Sorry. Sorry, That's, I got Sorry, Bill. On that That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, my name is Cosmo and I consider myself a huge invincible head and love all aspects of this comic. I recently started listening to the podcast and have to say I'm a huge fan and glad there's a lot more people who see the greatness in this. Um, that being said, I recently listened to the second episode for the third time regarding the invincible movie. And as awesome as that may be, the Rock as Alan is pure genius, by the way. I feel like the comic would thrive so much better as an animated series. Did you have something to say, Bill? Yeah, it's weird that he didn't mention my fucking name in it, but that he listened. End. That's my. That was that, my first fucking was, episode. It was just me and you in there. Yeah, <laughs> TJ wasn't even in that wow. one. Wow. Um, <laughs> much love, Cosmo. Much love. Yeah. Um, the art style could be based off of Corey's designs, and we could still get the Rock to voice the Yen Open. Um, uh, and then he goes on uh, to say, I think it would be kind of awesome if we brought up uh, merchandising on the podcast. I feel like Invincible is in dire need of awesome action figures because these blind boxes and T-shirts aren't cutting it. I can't wait for the next episode, and I hope this letter may spark some new conversation and new and loyal Invincible fan. Thank you, Cosmo. Um, about the, uh, yeah, we did actually, I don't know if you got to that episode yet, Cosmo, but we did actually bring up, because somebody else wrote in about um, it becoming an animated series. And yeah, we totally agree that animated would be amazing. Um, and much more likely to be faithful to the comics, of course. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Well, Mike, what are your thoughts on it being? I agree, one hundred percent, that it needs to be an animated series, and it needs to have the life of like a Family Guy or a Simpsons. Like you can't just fit Invincible into even like three seasons. It needs to go on for a good long time. I think. Uh, you know, Kirkman's on AMC, Kirkman's on Cinemax. Um, I think like a nice, because there's themes in here that although it's, the book is technically for all ages, there's some adult themes. And I think if there's even one change, and if you turned up the adult themes or maybe just the, 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 the violence, just turned the notch up a little bit and did like a rated R animated sort of thing, even if it's on an HBO or a Netflix or something, would be gnarly, and you have to, and you have to give it the lifespan. Like I wouldn't want the twist of like the, the the third volume of the trades. Like I wouldn't want that right away. Like you really you have to set the tone and set the superhero the mindset that this is a a classic superhero, and then hit that twist because uh, anybody that's a fan of Invincible, like when you try to sell it to your friends, like oh you never heard of this, you have to read at least the first three trades. Like that's my sales pitch all the time. Like read the first three trades, and if you're not hooked after that, um, you know, then then I guess you can put it down, and, and we won't be friends anymore. But um, <laughs> that's why but I yeah, love the like, hardcovers. I just give them the first hardcover, and that ends with 
the yeah. per- a perfect ending. All the crazy shit. Yeah, yeah I, I have all the single issues, and then I have the, the trade paperbacks. I don't have the hardcovers, so. But uh, yeah, and I, just to just to make my point, like I, I just if they ever do a series, I hope they don't get to that that twist or that climax too quick. Like I'd I'd really want to set it up, and for it to be uh, a cliffhanger at like the end of a season three or something, or you know, or something like that. But um, season three, I, I, wow. I, like, I mean, you really got to give it the uh, like maybe if if every issue has a, an episode or if every issue has an episode or two of an animated series, like yeah, I mean, you're looking at you're looking at at least the maybe the fifteenth episode, thirteenth episode if they go one issue per per episode or something. But but yeah, um, I think uh, an animated uh, or a rated R animated sort of series would be great. Um, and yeah, I think both the the animation styles of Corey and Ryan would fit in would fit in well. Uh, you know, uh, uh, a motion capture animated uh, animator uh, I think could could capture their style pretty well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, and I, just, I, think, I think it'd be too expensive to do, you know, some game of Thrones style. Oh, no, no. It'd be amazing, but it, it, it yeah. it's just setting us up for disappointment. And when we talked yeah. about the, this last time, um, it has an animated series, things like, you know, Rexplode and, um, robot, you know, aging and the monster girl aging and everything. It's just keep it animated, make it really good. And, Yep. You know, it's easier to stay true to it. Didn't one of you guys or someone say, ask Otley if it was ever going to happen, and he said, like, yeah. no right off the bat? Well, it, he actually did say recently um, on Twitter, um, he said that a lot of people have been asking him about it, and he just flat out was like, yeah, it, it, it's... It's never going to happen. It's not going to happen. For an, an, for he's an animated? It, he's saying it can't happen. Well, which it's, which as means... A, as live action, I think he was talking. Uh, live action or animated? I think he just said Invincible Movie. Was we actually tried to pull it back up, but we could not find it because he's yeah. so uh, prominent. <laughs> he, yeah, he's very active on, on Twitter, so it's it was tough to bring it back up. So if anybody else could find it, good luck to you. Well, we could take that in any way. We could take it because I thought that it was animated. Like, it's not going to no, happen. I'm pretty animated. sure he said there's no way. I mean, he said people have been asking me about Invincible Movie. I'm pretty sure he said the word movie, um, whether animated or live action. And he didn't specify. but And he said it would just be too difficult. What about the rights? I mean, I though, think I think that sold. that's his. Well, that's another again, thing that I kind of wanted to talk about. Did. Like, yeah, listen. Yeah. I mean, if, if somebody wants to buy the rights and wants to make it, it's going to happen, whether they wants it to happen or not. Like, exactly. If somebody buys I was going to say Otley's not the one to, to right. ask that question. Right. Yeah. Um, but he's then, just he's probably sick of getting the question. Right. I mean, he's saying. I think his uh, tone to the tweet was, "It's never going to happen, and if it does happen, you guys will know when I know." Basically. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So um, stop asking me. And then moving on from that email, uh, merchandise. I mean, yeah, there's been a lot of, most of it is kind of unfortunately um, Comic-Con exclusive, especially San Diego Comic-Con exclusive stuff, whether it be like the watches, the blind boxes of the, um, you know, Invincible and Rick, the um, larger vinyl characters. What else is there? There's the Mini Mates. There's the, this year they announced the pins. Statues. Which, oh yeah, oh. there's the the, sta- the statue, but that's hard to get by now. Um, yeah, I think that it, Merchandise getting, would be awesome. I'm not going to San Diego, but I'm getting me one of them conquest yep. pins. Yeah. My dad. Oh, I know. I'm, That's gonna happen. I'm gonna try and get them. <laughs> uh, did you so. get? Did you end up making it to uh, get tickets in New York? Yes. Yeah. You got your tickets. Awesome. Yes. Congrats. That's great. Yep. We wanted to go, but uh, yeah. it sold out like very quickly. <laughs> and I didn't know, as you know, I didn't know about the whole presale thing. This is the first time we ever tried to go to New York, and I've had a busy couple months. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, but we are going to Fan Expo, which you just got announced. Yeah. 
Otley got announced to go to Fan Expo, which is nice. Like two hours away, not even, and so we're yeah. gonna. We gotta cross the border and go to Canada. <laughs> yeah, that should be. A, that should you guys should be able to do that. See yeah. if uh, see if he wants to. Um, like I said, see if he wants to uh, set up an interview or something. That's yeah, cool. I'll shoot him an we email. Love that. Yeah. Find out. Um, all right. Well, I guess uh, we'll kind of talk more about how you started. When did you start reading Invincible? Um, it's actually a pretty cool story. I think uh, four years ago at New York Comic Con. Um, I was just browsing the image skybound comic booth. Um, this was the year I think walking dead issue 100 came out. FIFA thieves had just come out and, um, guy behind the counter who happened to be Sean Kirkman, Robert Kirkman's brother, um, just asked me like, so how are you enjoying the con? What do you read? And we were talking a little bit about walking dead and, um, FIFA thieves. And he's like, well, have you read invincible? I'm like, no, not really. Tell me about it. And he used the same sales pitch uh, that I use now. He's like, well, I'm not going to tell you about it, but you have to read the first three trades. And if you don't like it, if you don't like it after that, then no harm, no foul. Um, I didn't buy them right there on the spot. I didn't want to get stuck, like, uh, carrying them around the whole convention. But I did definitely uh, buy them, I think, the following week. And I was addicted from from the get-go. I think I read up till, at the time, I think the, the current issues were, like, 98, 99, 100. Like, those were the issues that were just come out. So I read up to that really quick and I've been buying the, you know, it's been on my pull list since then, but, um, I was able to acquire all the, all the other back issues. So I have all the, I have all the single issues and all the trades and, um, yeah, I, uh, I look forward to, to every issue now and I, I go every Wednesday it's coming out. Yeah. I pick it up and read it right away. That's so. really cool that Sean Kirkman, <laughs> He's yeah. the one that yeah, introduced yeah. you to Invincible. And even yeah. he, do you think Robert Kirkman, when he's trying to be like, maybe you should read my other book, Invincible, but you should like probably read it up until like the you know you the think three it, volumes. Do you think Kirkman actually yeah, says that to people? I, you know, I read I said? read something somewhere that even I don't know if it was his publisher or something like that. Like he suggested he's because originally Kirkman wasn't going to put that reveal about mm-hmm. Omni Man until way way later on in the comic well, book. Well, no, and he said you got to you got to put it in quick. No, that, I think that was regarding Walking Dead. They told him, Mm-mm. you can't do what you did with Invincible, and Walking Dead, the, the thing that happens with Shane has to happen much sooner at the end of the first trade instead of the third. capture people. Yeah. Do, do you know anything about that, Mike? Or? Uh, unfortunately, no. Yeah, oh, no, that's, I, I just remember Do you read like Walking that. Dead? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Do you uh, watch the show? I do, yes. Are you a fan of the show? I'm a fan of both. I I I've, I think it was the Walking Dead show that really got me into comics uh, again. Wow, like cool. I grew up. All right, I grew, I, I grew up. I grew up reading Marvel and stuff, and mm-hmm. I think uh, that show, uh, you know, it's been on six years now. Really oh, got me so back weird. into the. I know. <laughs> I we're, remember. We're remember so when it was weird. announced. We're, we're so old. I cried. Old. Yeah. So I cried yeah, when it was it, announced. Um, <laughs> I think it really got me back into uh, and sort of molded me into the the, the type of reader that i am now i read a lot of um creator own stuff yeah. you know i sort of stay away from the big two yeah um, i but a little more now um like, like you, you know, I, I think invincible is the only superhero book that i regularly read mm-hmm. you know like you i grew up i grew up with um marvel and bill and tj were more dc but i i wish i can get into x-men i wish i can get into that it's just so messy and i don't understand anything that's going on and it takes a lot of time and money to get caught up and figure out what's What's what in that series? And I'd love, I'd love them to do what I, I know. 
I know it happens every once in a while, but things like, um, uh, what's his name's, um, Max Landis's American Alien, like one-offs. I want yeah. more creator-owned one-offs where they don't have to meld their stories into the, you know, the overall arc of what's going on, and they don't have to fit into any universe. They could just tell their story, and I think that would be awesome. Unfortunately, that's what the comic industry has become because it's no different with DC either. Like I read Batman, but you oh, can't just yeah. read Batman. You got to read. You got to read Detective Batgirl. Comics. You got to be you Detective read, Comics. Yeah. You got to read like fucking weird shit. Like like I don't know. Like Bat Family. Uh, yeah, like Bat Family. Like is like that actually weird, a thing? That it, well, it was. It's oh not God. anymore. When I stopped reading Batman month to month, it was during the death of Batman. And it didn't even happen in a fucking Batman comic book. Do you remember? It happened yeah. in fucking Justice League. It happened League in or... uh, Infinite Crisis. Oh my, like... It was the DC... Um, it was the that current DC yeah. thing that was yeah. going on. Because it was, it was when... It was the, uh, the Batman, Batman, comic... Batman R.I.P. is what you're referring to. Yes, yeah. And it was... Up until that, it was like Batman Zen... Zen Rail or whatever yeah. when he was going fucking crazy. And I'm like, this is going to be bananas. And then I got to the end of it. I'm like, what the fuck happened? Like, <laughs> what, what happened? And, and that's what, what they happened? fucking do. What happened? But... You know you what? should catch up though. Uh, didn't they just? Did yeah. they just do another fucking reboot? No, it's not a reboot, but it's kind of a reboot. <laughs> it's called Rebirth. It's called, it's called Rebirth. Re it's fucking yeah. Batman. It's it's some, it has like some different. New... It has some different letters. It's not the term reboot. It's Rebirth. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they changed up the artist. I, I read a little bit of uh, the Batman, the Scott Snyder and Capullo run. Court of Owls was great. Mm. Um, fucking Court of Owls. Fucking Court of Owls. Okay. It's um, very good. Oh, okay. I thought you were angry at me. No, no, no. It's like, I'm, I like, I, I, I'm fuck you and your court of owls. Yeah. <laughs> uh, fuck your court very, of owls. Uh, and I guess that's going to be the um, the sort of overall theme of uh, the Gotham season three of the TV show. So I'm interested to see. I don't know if – I haven't seen Scott Snyder say anything, if he's involved in any of the plotting or the storytelling of those of that TV show or the, this season. But I, I sure hope he is because it, it's, his, it's his story. But um, – but yeah, it's uh, like I have my moments where I hop back, especially like it, it usually comes with like a favorite artist does a variant or, you know, favorite writers writing on the on a story or something. But I'm really now more image IDW, you know, that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, well, then bringing it back to Invincible, do you have a favorite issue? Uh, sure. Um, all of them. No, but, uh, but yeah, <laughs> I, know I, mean, it's I, hard. I, I know it's kind of hard to pick, but. Yeah, um, I'm really attached to uh, issue 61. Uh, that was the first appearance of Conquest. Um, he's my favorite character. I don't know why, but I tend to like villains a lot. <laughs> like, my favorite character in Walking Dead is Negan. I mentioned earlier, like, the Joker and stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, 61 only because, I mean, I, and, I, and I own, like, my favorite page <clears throat> from that issue. It's my favorite page from the entire series. Um, and Conquest is just gnarly. He is just gives no no shits about anything you know and um but yeah uh that issue and then or, an, or really, a favorite I, arc like 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 if invincible at its peak i think we all usually think of conquest i mean conquest, it's like yeah, what's your favorite yeah. movie shawshank redemption it's like what's your favorite part uh, conquest shut up ryan shawshank, <laughs> your favorite movie shawshank redemption shut i mean up. i i really and i hate to use the, i guess a, a token answer that the conquest but i really think that's um where ryan really turned into what we all think Ryan is like that was his first really Ryan Otley style fight like it just 
even some of the punches from previous issues, like you don't even see blood. Like, and this yeah. one just gets crazy. And it's like, oh shit, this is really what it's about. Like, these fights are no holds barred. And the uh, and the conquest stuff and and the, the stuff that happens to some of the the characters. You know, trying to stay spoiler free here, but um, but yeah, I mean that that issue or and, and that that whole that whole um, arc is definitely one of my favorites that and uh issue 75 which you know just because i'm a big fan of ryan's art issue 75 I, you know i think it was a double size issue um it had like six double splashes yeah two that splashes. was them the was, ultramite it, war yeah in the middle of the uh, ultramite war yeah where they, they fly up, through they fly through the ultramite planet and it's just it follows by like Six double splashes, 12 full pages, yeah. 12 full pages of the issue, like half the issue. No words, just explosion. Oddly, it just kept explosion everywhere. Yeah. And it was, it was awesome. That just yeah. goes to show how strong of a fucking artist he is that he can, because if you think about a conquest, you can count the words that are in that, that whole arc. Like there was very little dialogue, mm-hmm. you know but, what I mean? And, and it was all action and it was just. You were so enthralled in it. You didn't even need words or dialogue. And he just shows, I mean, he can control the tone of a comic like that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. It's really good uh, visual storytelling. And, and I'm sure a lot of it went into the scripting of, you know, Kirkman deciding he wanted maybe less dialogue and more visual storytelling. But, uh, but yeah, it was uh, – both those issues are great. And then obviously an honorable mention, honorable mention for uh, – Issue 115, Thrag versus Battle Beast. It all starts oh. there. Oh, <laughs> oh you had to talk yeah, about so, it. Yeah. Oh. So. I don't think uh, a lot of the fans are recovered from that yet. It's That sucks. There is another. Yeah, but there is another. There is another. There is another. There, I've heard of another. Yeah, there's, a prophecy. there's prophecy tolls of another. What's um, What predictions do you have, if any, for what's coming up next? Um, <laughs> listen, uh... I, the fact that Ryan has tweeted or mentioned that he's already working on his responsibilities for Invincible again, and his next issue isn't due until November, I yeah. think. It's one. Th- did it's you, did gonna be. It's gonna. Yeah. I think. It's I, think I, th- I think Corey still has uh, August, September, and October. Three more issues. I could be wrong, but. Um, I think uh, I think we're going to see Vultramite War number two. In all honesty, yeah, I think it's going to be crazy. I think Essa um, is is still a little attached to um, Mark, and maybe she, maybe she switches sides. That's my other crazy prediction. So what's going on with Oliver right now? You think? I think uh, I think he's a double spy. He's sort of playing both sides, but mm-hmm. I think I think his uh, loyalties lie to his father and his brother. I agree. I think we all agree on that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, so we've got you're saying Voltramite War Part Two. I mean, right now the Voltramite Army, Thrag's Army, is a bunch of kids, you know, teenager, younger teen teens. Um, right. What side of the Voltramites on Earth going to be? Say that again, sir. What side do you think uh, the Voltramites on Earth are going to be? And this is kind of for everybody. We haven't talked about this. At I think all. with Nolan. They're going to be with Nolan. Yeah. They side with Nolan. I mean, I think so, too. So they have a bunch of kids, too. But those kids don't necessarily have powers because they're mating with... They're essentially the same age as Mark of Marky, of maybe. Marky. Yeah. Yeah. It's just interesting. Like, we've talked about in the last new reader, like, there's a lot of kids in the series right now. 
Um, I don't know. It's just interesting yeah. how like you brought it's, up how generational it is mm-hmm. right now. Um, yeah, I think there's, and then obviously the whole thing with robot too. There could be three to three or four different sides uh, mm. combating combating with one another. Maybe robot uh, teams up with Thrag or something. Who knows what might happen? So, um, go ahead, TJ. Uh, what do you think about uh, Nessa's son? Oh, Nessa's oh, son, the, the Marky. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, yeah, and obviously I, I've listened to what you guys have commented on it as, as well, the last podcast where you discussed that issue. Um, I agree with a lot of what you said. I think she's she sort of stayed attached to Mark. Um, that might have been like, uh, you know, she has that, that child with, with him now that there's always going to be that connection there. And I think that might lead to... Um, her changing sides. I think obviously anybody that's a, a reader of Invincible would think her uh, allegiance lies with Thrag, but maybe because she's a mother now and that child is sort of attached to the more heroic side of this story, um, she might. We might see a, a very classic villain in this story transition to be a hero. In my opinion, mm-hmm. um, I am gonna. I'm going to read this email. Do it. We have another email. Um, TJ, do you want to read it? I read the last one. I can read it. You should read it. I'm not good at reading. Do you want me to read it? it. (laughs) And by the way, this this is from, uh, this one's from, who was it? J-Dog Biggums. J-Dog Biggums. J-Dog Biggums. Motherfucking Biggums. I get get alerts. J-Dog. What's up, Jay? Wait, 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 wait. It's not, it's not Biggums. It's, it's Big Gums, but it's Biggums. But it's entitled... Rape Rich child. J-Dog. So I, got, I got this alert on my phone whenever I get an email, and so it's like on my phone, all you see is the subject, and it says rape child. <laughs> uh, so his name is Josh. I'm assuming, unless his, unless I don't know. Oh yeah. We'll, we'll just, you know what? We'll just call you J-Dog. J-Dog. Same call him J-Dog. Bigums. No, we're gonna call him J-Dog. Motherfucking Bigums. <laughs> all right. All right, I listened in on your most recent podcast, and it discussed everything that I wanted, but one thing. You guys didn't discuss the possibility that Marky could have a different father. The reason why I bring this possibility up is because it has been heavily implied that Mark didn't finish, as we saw during those panels, depicting the rape and the dialogue afterwards. We'll include our thoughts afterwards, yeah. Are we getting back into a debate of whether or not he finished? <laughs> I swear you guys talked about that for 20 We did, minutes. we did, which is why I'm going <laughs> to finish yeah, the email. Yeah. All right. Also, Marky acts and looks more like a three-year-old, and it has been stated that Tara is six, making it impossible for Mark to be the father. I think Kirkman showing Anessa's biracial baby was to clue us in that Voltramite-slash-human hybrids can express genes from the human parent as well which could give way to the possibility that she found a human that looked just like Mark. Given how obsessed she is, she was with stalking Mark and how much of a weirdo she usually is, I wouldn't be surprised if she took this course of action. Maybe this person humanized her and then he died during the war, maybe. It really makes me wish that Kirkman should have disregarded the black guy and replaced him with the Mark lookalike as it would further convey how much of an obsessive weirdo <laughs> Anissa is and it would leave Marky's paternity as ambiguous. I really 
Hope my theory is correct, because if it is, that would mean that we've been waiting two and a half years for the obvious, which would be very disappointing. I really want you guys to discuss this on your next podcast in July. Oh, and also Marky is an actual name. Well, I guess, yeah, it's an actual name, but I mean, I think she was using it as a nickname, calling him Marky, like a little, little Mark. Um, so there's a lot in there. We don't have to go into the discussion on whether or not he finished, um, but do we? Do you think he finished? <laughs> uh, vote for me. He finished. Yeah, I think we've I kind agree. of come to the conclusion. Round of applause for New York City, right there. <laughs> <laughs> that um, uh, when he said I didn't, I didn't. We he was meaning to say I didn't want that, not that he didn't finish. Um, but you know, I I think it's a good theory that you know I, I like how you know J Dog is you know, really tying in Anissa's craziness into this, and maybe she found a lookalike and all this kind of stuff, but, you know. It's an interesting theory. Interesting, but... Um, yeah, it's, it's a theory. We, we, all, we all have those. Yeah. So. Here's, the, here's the thing that gets me, though, is that he said that he really wishes it was that because he doesn't want us waiting two and a half years for the obvious, mm-hmm. that it's obviously Mark's kid. But that's that's what he does. That's what Kirkman does. He throws yeah. the obvious at you because we're all like, oh, it was Alan that fucking had sex with Eve and all that other shit. And <laughs> But you know what I mean? Like, even that wasn't obvious, but he flips it. He can flip it so well yeah, this to, isn't... to make the obvious not as oh, obvious and I think, as it was. And I think the trick that, that we did was I think Kirkman made the reader almost forget that there was a possibility of a child. And that was the, the last page, that hook. Um, was like, oh, shit, they did have sex. And, yeah, when you have sex, the possibility of bearing a child is a probability. That's exactly what happened. And I think a majority of the readers didn't think that that was even a possibility. So I think that was the hook, that was the twist that we were introduced to. Obviously, J-Dog, Gums, whatever his name, I forget. J-Dog, motherfucking Gums. Yeah, Um He's taking it uh, a step further with a, a big uh, what if, but uh, I think that was more, um, you know, and to take that twist and and, and turn it, uh, twist and turn it even further, uh, it could be coming. Um, and Mr. Mister Gums could be onto something, but uh, but yeah. So. <laughs> Mr. Um, uh, motherfucking Gums. My apologies. Yeah. Mr. <laughs> M.F. Gums could be onto something. Um. All right, we're gonna we're gonna change gears a little bit and um, talk more about um, things that you've done. Yeah, things that you've done. Now, you sent me um, after uh, talking about guesting on the podcast and everything. You sent me uh, your comic. Now, can you talk a little bit about that? Now, we now all three of us have read it. Um, and uh, how did this happen? <laughs> you mentioned yeah. the Kickstarter. Yeah, no, uh, we, I did a Kickstarter last fall to, as a writer to fund a comic project. Obviously, growing up a comic fan, I think it was um, sort of always a, a dream in the back of my head to sort of uh, write and produce my own story, and that's what I did. Yeah, um, it's, you can find it on Comixology. It's uh, NYPDD, New York Police Dead Division. I sort of sell it as a mix of RoboCop and The Walking Dead. It's set in a like a futuristic uh, New York City, uh, not like with flying cars or anything. Like just a couple years in the in the future, where um, instead of a uh, a SWAT team or a tactical team, the NYPD use a team of 
remote control weaponized corpses to do dangerous police functions. Um, and it's just a story set in that world. The story sort of revolve, revolves around uh, two police officers, Mark and Alex, that are police uh, police officers in this uh, in this world where you know a lot of the dangerous, a lot of in their opinion, a lot of the the fun aspects of the job are, are taken over by the the dead division. So, yeah, it's uh, we did a Kickstarter last year. Um, it was fully funded and then some. Um, we only recently, maybe a couple months ago, got the printed copies. We were able to fulfill all of our Kickstarter pledges. Um, I have some extra copies that I that I uh, you know give away or sell at uh, little conventions that I go to and stuff. So. It's cool. Obviously, you know, we mentioned that we met at Boston Comic Con. Obviously, I still I still attend cons as a fan, but now I even go to to some cons as a as an artist. It's an artist alley as a writer and uh, talk to people about my comic. Um, and the goal is to you know sort of use this first issue sort of as a glorified business card where I'm, I'm submitting the the first issue to publishers to consider publishing it as a as a mini series or ongoing series um, so that's the next step for nypdd i mean you yeah. <clears throat> we've we've submitted to a couple publishers um i've got uh, my first rejection letter which any comic fan uh, you know any any comic professional has their rejection letter from marvel or dc or something like that so uh you know i got my first rejection letter which is cool you know i, I feel like <laughs> I'm, I'm part of the club now but you know, and we even have a, a couple uh, publishers that uh, you know haven't rejected it quite yet. You know, and they're uh, they're looking at it and still considering it. Um, I definitely want to give a shout out to some of the members of my team. Uh, Eli Eli Powell is the artist. Um, you can find him on on Twitter and stuff. Um, he was the the artist who won the 2015 Top Cow Talent Hunt. Top Cow is an imprint of Image Comics. Um, so he got to print a, uh, one shot with the writing uh, buddy of his, um, that was out a couple months ago. Um, so yeah, he's had published works. He's had some variant covers, um, for Boom Studios and other, other independent, uh, comic publishers. Um, the letterer, uh, Marshall Dillon, he's a professional. He's, he's done a lot of lettering, uh, in the, in the, in the business. Um, colorist, uh, Matt. Matt Lops um, colored our cover for us, and then uh, at a backup um, pinup artist, uh, Crease Lee, good pal of mine, lives in Long Island. Uh, you can find him, uh, Crease Art, on Twitter and Instagram, and he actually does a live um, live broadcasts of where he creates comics on Twitch, so you can actually watch him. That's cool. Plot out, plot out his you know sequential art. Watch him uh, do the, the visual storytelling and. He's an amazing illustrator as well. So, but yeah, um, you know, separate of you know being an awesome uh, you know uh, invincible fan, you know, um, you know, I got to I get to uh, I guess call myself a comic creator as well. It's pretty cool to you know to to hold the the comic that I wrote in my hands and and see it on Comicsology things like that. So, but yeah. What did you guys think? You guys said you read it. Any we liked questions? it. We liked it yeah. very much. Uh, I, one Appreciate thing, uh, kind of. Going back to your uh, your artist Eli yeah. Powell, uh, right. I really liked his uh, his art and yeah. Ryan Ryan even um, uh, kind of 
it, uh, what, related it, it to it, it 30 Days of Night. Yeah, it reminded me of that 30 Days of Night. Um, there was that Joker Arkham yeah. one, like that real scratchy. Very like, dirty, like dirty, sc- uh, like scratchy. I like, I love that kind of art. I think that's very cool. But still detailed. Like, oh, in yeah. A, right. oh yeah. And I just want to say, yep. like, it's funny because we don't know how the creative process works at all. And I think it's funny how you created literally, and when, when, when people are listening to this episode, I want them to know that this is a completed comic. This isn't something that, this isn't like an outline that you sent to publishers to be like, hey, this is my idea. Like, this is a fucking completed, like, comic book. It's that, long, too. Yeah, so the amount of effort that went into this thing, like, I was, I was insanely impressed, and... And yeah, just, I mean, I'm, I'm happy to talk a little bit about the creative process. Um, I know you guys mentioned on one of your podcasts previously that, um, you know, you wanted to talk about it. And I can I can do my best to tie in my conversation a little bit to hypotheticals in regards to maybe how the Invincible team creates their stuff as well. But obviously, as a writer, I mean, the idea, you know, s- sort of popped in my head and, and where this all came from was an idea like my idea was you know what if zombies could be used for good you know and eventually eventually it turned into a story that doesn't technically have zombies they're just remote control corpses but uh you know the idea turns into you know the plot you know what's going to happen in each issue i've sort of plotted out in my head what a, what is a mini series and then as a writer i usually write one sentence like what's going to happen on this page and i usually just write one sentence per page so if the first issue is 22 pages. I write out 22 sentences. All right, this is basically what's going to happen on each page. And then I take that sentence and turn it into uh, the whole page. I plot it out. If, it, if it's a page with multiple panels, um, you know, as the writer, um, it's sort of like a, a movie script where if you've read a movie script or a script for a play, normally the setting is sort of described prior to the scene starting. But in a comic book, you sort of describe each panel. And I have a question about that. Yeah, like, yeah. Go ahead. You write out, and then we've and we've talked about it on the podcast, and we've all seen it in the back of the trades or the hardcovers or anything. And there's that script book. Kirkman will actually say, you know, you know, five panels, one large panel with the four square beneath it, or something like that. And then he says, in the first panel, we're going to be seeing Invincible or whoever go from left to right, and then you know, and so on. How much? I mean, I guess it can vary between writer and artist. I mean, do you put that much direction, the, like that much direction, on the artist, or if if Otley or your artist Eli or anybody say says like, why are you having him go from left to right? He really should be going right to left. And why are you doing five panels? It really should be going, you know, six. You know, like. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's a it's a balance of both. Um, yes, as a writer, you sort of take the role as a producer and you and a director like you're sort of describing what you want to happen in each panel but you also have to trust the artist that if he if you write a five panel page and he's like boy i I think i can bang this out in three panels you know and tell a better story then you you say all right yeah of course i mean it's it's a dynamic duo it's it's a tag team process um you know some writers are extremely particular and write very particular direction um sometimes their description of panels can be paragraphs long um i can describe a double splash page like you know with a couple sentences and then just have at it eli you know make mm-hmm. it look great you know and um, like in that in that script book from kirkman i mean uh, looking through it you can see that there'll be times where kirkman says literally the sentence you know make it look cool 
and he'll say that yeah. to Otley or, or Cody yep. Walker or whoever, and, and they yeah. just, you know, you know, make it look cool, you know, something yep. like that, punching him like this. And he yep. does leave it. And then there are times in which he's extra detailed. So I guess it is more, it really does come down to the teamwork and the conversation. It's not yeah. just. Yeah. And we, and we would, I mean, we would, uh, I would, I would even sometimes draw like stick figures and shitty versions of the pages that I sort of saw in my head. And Eli would, um, you know, he, he, Eli works traditionally. Um, as an artist, there's mainly two options. You either work traditionally where you're penciling and inking on a page or you're working digitally um, where you're drawing it on a, maybe an iPad Pro or something. But Eli worked traditionally where he'd pencil out everything and then he'd send me the pencils. And then if I saw something that I felt needed to be adjusted, which was very rarely, um, I'd maybe provide him with some notes and then he'd put inks on top of the pencils. His, his pencils were usually very light and then he'd tie in a lot of the detail as he did the inking process. Um, so, and I mean, Ryan, Ryan works traditionally most of the time. Uh, I think sometimes he does some digital layouts, but I know Ryan, <clears throat> Ryan does traditional pencils on paper. That's why you can buy his original art. He, he has it, you know, when he, when he goes to shows, um, Corey, Corey used to do traditional, but the, the most recent issues are all digital. So the original artwork, oh. you can't, you can't buy it because yeah. it's all on his computer somewhere. So. Interesting. And, um, this ties in directly to my next question. Um, going from like Otley does his pencils. Now he doesn't always do his own inking. Sometimes Correct. he'll send it to someone else to ink it. Does he literally send the physical paper or are they scans because sometimes yeah, um, you'll see the you and this is and this is uh, this is the way this is it's changed a lot you know since when we used to read comics when we were younger yes they would probably send them or yeah like Marvel had an office in New York you know and someone might do the penciling and then someone they'd bring it to the anchor on the next floor and oh yeah throw, it runs like it. a yeah. newspaper place. here I mean, here, you... here like we we used like with nypdd we used uh, dropbox like we put all yeah. the art on dropbox and i'm sure skybound has <clears throat> skybound has something similar where they have a folder for walking dead a folder for invincible a folder for manifest destiny thief of thieves and they just assign access to whoever needs it you know and you log in um you know otley might throw his pencils down, you know, into the folder, then he'll shoot a text or something to, you know, the inker, Cliff Rathburn usually does most of the inks, and then Cliff will go in and throw down the inks. Cliff will probably print it out, uh, blue line, uh, print it very light blue on the paper, and then he'll ink on top of that blue line. And then, again, he'll turn around, scan it, and put it back on the, the server, and then they have, and then the colorist has access to it, the letterer has access to it, and what have you. So. Mm -hmm. So it's just everybody essentially getting copies of the previous work and adding their own layer, and yeah, that's why. Yeah, that's why sometimes going back to uh, we've mentioned original art. That's why sometimes some pages have pencils and inks, where you can buy the pencils from Ryan, you can buy the inks from Cliff. Um, I mentioned my favorite page that I own, the Invincible versus Conquest. It's actually Cliff's ink page that I own. Okay. The, so the pencils are out there. Somebody else owns them, but I have the inks. Which I think I saw the original um, that day at Boston Comic Con. The guy that was helping, I forgot his name. The guy that was helping Otley, he said he travels with him and helps him out at cons. He said he basically had every page from the Conquest storyline, and he pulled out his binder, and he was flipping through them and such. And 
Um, that could have been. That could have been. I think the guy that was there, a guy named Rob, good friend. Rob uh, Zeta. Yeah, a pal of mine on Facebook, and yeah, I see him every so often. Yeah. Um, yep. So I don't. I don't know if he owns the pencils, but he he might have had them at the time. Cool. So. But yeah, and then um, uh, not to lose my train of thought, but uh, obviously the colors. Uh, Invincible has used a couple different colorists. Um, oh yeah. Throughout its throughout its time, um, you know, the colorist will hop on the server, grab the final inks, and then color them. Um, we with NYPDD, we only colored the cover. The comic itself is black and white. We had a stretch go on Kickstarter that if we hit a certain amount, we'd do it in full color. We just didn't hit that. But uh, but yeah, and then um, same with the letter. I want to give a shout out to Marshall Dillon. Obviously, he he gained our pages after all the art was finalized. He pulled all the pages off added all the dialogue, all the special effect wording, like if you want the sound effect of a gun or a machine gun going off, that that's all in the letter to, to make that look awesome. Um, you know, and, so and sound effects are on the letter? Yep. I actually didn't know that. I thought that was Otley or the artist who... Sometimes... I mean, sometimes, do they generally leave room? No, I guess they wouldn't leave room for it because sometimes it covers over characters. Sometimes, sometimes they're drawn in. Most of the time it's the letter. Yeah, Russ Wooten is the letter for Invincible. Um, and, and usually the final pa- page layouts, too, um, because a raw piece of uh, original art sometimes has a border on it. Like, the, the, the letterer will normally add all the letters, add all any special effects, sound effect, things like that, and then they'll do the final page layout and usually forward that to, to the, the, the final publisher. And then it's... Then it's in the hands of an editor, and um, with my project, I was sort of the editor and the producer, um, and that's very similar to how a lot of creative-owned properties go. That it's normally it's on the writer, it's on the creative team to edit their own stuff. Um, usually, the editor in a creative-owned project is similar to like a production assistant. They just sort of keep everybody uh, on deadline. They they handle any sorting of the artwork sorting of you know getting it to the publisher but unlike the big two like dc and marvel editors are are much more involved you know because those publishers are much more driven by deadlines you know the editors sort of keep everybody on schedule and even like sometimes the editors pick the creative team for a project Uh, here like a creative team for an invincible or if it's saga or something else like they'll They'll get together. They're going to create a comic, and they seek out an editor, or they seek out a you know, an editor in whatever capacity they want that editor to be in, and work with them. So, cool. It's all different that way. So, um, I have some more thoughts and comments on NYPDD. Did well. We're still kind of on creative process and sure all that. Bill and TJ, did you have any other stuff regarding that? No, actually, the letter. Does he do it by hand or is it typed? Does it matter depending on the comic? It's it's different. Um, Sometimes it's normally, it can be digital. It's normally it's it's digital most of the time these days. Um, mm-hmm. But back in the day, um, it, it was it was usually uh, um, sometime typed out and adhesively put on the page mm-hmm. or or, hand, or handwritten. Correct. Um, so some thoughts on um, real quick on NYPD before we let you go the um was it opening up a reference to walking dead the opening scene at all because i totally got that you got the two cops hiding behind the police car shooting at something 
Yeah, yeah, and there, there's a couple um, little hints to some of my favorite comics. Obviously, I said that it's based on you know I, my early like my sales pitch is like it's a Walking Dead, you know. Mm-hmm. Combined with RoboCop, yeah, um, we definitely got yeah. RoboCop. Yeah, you see that Alex, yeah. the main character, Alex Murray, Alex yeah. Murray, yeah, of course. I got to yeah. it. I was like, I was thinking, you texted Ro- me. I, yeah, I was thinking RoboCop the whole the like like the whole time. Like I was like, oh man, this is like it's reminding me of RoboCop. Like, and then as soon as it got to the end, and I saw Alex Murray, I'm like, that it, it it's got to be like there's no mm-hmm. way it can be quick because yeah. Alex Murphy. Yeah. yeah, I don't want. I mean, I don't want us to get into too much because I want if you're listening to this, I want people to go seek it out and read it so we're not going to spoil too much one thing that i want to say though that's that really impressed me and again this is i think all on you but the way you did the direction of it reminded me a lot of Watchmen and the way their i guess progressive storytelling goes you had a line had it started off on two two cops and then shows a flashback of those two cops and they're in their car. They throw out something in the trash. The trash zooms in on the trash. It, it tr- zooms in on the trash can. There's a newspaper article talking about a uh, um, a newscast coming up. And then you cut to the newscast. And then he goes to report to a reporter who's on the scene where those cops are. Like the way you, it just flows, reminded me a lot of Watchmen. And there's a lot of scenes like that in, in panels and progression. In um, in that, and I love that. That was probably my favorite part of the entire thing. And that was really really cool. So. Great yeah, job I that. mean, yeah, I, I appreciate that. I, 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 to be compared to Alan Moore is slightly ridiculous, but thank well, you. But you yeah, know what I mean? Like, that's uh, the closest thing I could think of in, in terms of how it progressed because, like, I, I don't, you don't see that that often, that, that way of progressing time through a story. I love that. And I guess probably the one thing you can, I can take from that is um, maybe you can just see that I'm a, I'm a big comic fan in my writing. You know, I, um, I don't want to say that I, 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 I stole ideas from other people, but I definitely, <laughs> you know, I was definitely influenced by, you know, Watchmen, by Walking Dead, by Robert Kirkman, Brian yeah. K. Vaughn. You know, those are some of, some of my favorite, uh, favorite writers. Um, I think those tricks, those storytelling tricks have been done before. Mm-hmm. Um, they've been done, I think, you know, great you know, Alan Moore, things like that, but other people try to do them and they, they might not work. I'm glad that you thought that it worked well, which, yeah, is, definitely did. which is, I'll definitely so, take it as a compliment. Thank you. So if people are listening, um, where, uh, can you remind them again, where to find this? Sure. It's available digitally on Comixology. Um, if you're interested in a hard copy, I do have extras. Just contact me through Twitter. Um, my Twitter handle is at Mike RB two, 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 three. Um, but yeah, uh, I can I can mail you a hard copy if you prefer that. If not, you can get it digitally on Comixology. I think it's two ninety nine on uh, Comixology. Um, but yeah, and then more news. If you want to follow, up, we have a Facebook fan page. Um, any news, any announcements? If we sign on for a mini series or a publisher or something, you'll get all that through our um, through our Facebook fan page. We don't have a don't have an official website or anything yet. Um, but yeah, and then obviously, you know, I, I welcome you, uh, all your listeners, to follow me on Twitter. But please uh, seek out the other creative team, you know, and give them some love as well. Eli's on Twitter, uh, Crease Arts on Twitter, uh, Marshall and Matt. Um, all the uh, all the creative team uh, is on Twitter, and uh, you can check them out. Especially the artists, you can see some of their work on Instagram as well. Um, but yeah, uh, cool. look them up, look them up, seek them out. 
Yeah. Give them, give them those uh, social media, a little social media love. So that'd be great. Yeah. Thanks really for coming on and talking to us. This was actually really, really cool. Gentlemen, um, anytime. I look forward to the uh, the next new issue. I know we're, I we're know. waiting on a little wait on some delays but usually delays mean mean good thing that they're they're taking their time and getting it right so can't wait for the, can't wait for the next issue and uh i particularly you know i'm i'm, I'm very nostalgic about Corey and, and his art and i think it's great that he's back doing a whole art but uh i can't wait for ryan to get back to so <laughs> that seems to we be agree. I, it's more like i totally dig what what Corey's doing but exactly i feel like uh kirkman uh has has particular things that he wants ryan to do yes, and that, and that i think gets, there's a reason that, get, that gets me excited yes there's so. a reason ryan's taking his his time with this and building up this is going to be great so yep. um again everybody if you're listening go uh seek out nypdd um uh check out their fan page on facebook uh we have our facebook page we have um, our email address, you can uh, email us at theinvinciblepodcast at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at InvincibleCast. Message um, us on Facebook. We're on uh, iTunes. We're on yep, uh, Stitcher. We're on SoundCloud. That. So that's it. We're out. That's it. Do the Thanks thing. for listening. Bye. <laughs> Later, guys. Later.